Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Talk Radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio as we hit the halfway point of the week and the world seems just as weird as it has ever been. And I mean that, actually, most sincerely. As we await the last Prime Minister's questions before half-term, everyone in Westminster seems to be consumed by the row over whether Boris Johnson should have mentioned Jimmy Savile's name last week in the same sentence as Keir Starmer. I happen to think it was fair game and all those blaming the Prime Minister for poisoning the well of public debate are barking up the wrong tree. We are joined this morning by Tory MP for Ipswich, uh, who is course uh, Tom Hunt. He's going to be telling us exactly what he makes of all of it. Uh, plus we'll get his view on the reshuffle yesterday in Downing Street. Is it going to make any difference or is it just a case of moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic? 0344 4991 is the number. And also in what must be seen as the worst footballing decision of the season so far, Kurt Zuma was selected to play for West Ham last night despite being investigated by the police and the RSPCA for drop kicking his own cat around his home and slapping it on the head in front of his children. David Boyes, the manager, claimed it was a footballing decision and it was the right thing to do. But even Gary Lineker is calling it tone deaf. And it is a clear insult to all the thousands of people, uh, many of them including many of you, uh, who are demanding that he never play in the Premier League. Again, unbelievably, despite his being booed for turning up last night against Watford, some West Ham fans actually think it's perfectly acceptable to keep him in the team. Has the world gone completely stark staring bonkers mad? We'll speak to two former players and get their view uh, on footballers on and off the pitch. 0344-499-1000. Coming up later on, Sonia Buxton is here with her take on the state of play. We'll be asking her about the efficacy of a weight loss jab and we'll hear the latest from the front line of the lockdown fanatics versus the freedom fighters. I mean, COVID almost seems to be a thing of the past now, doesn't it? People are talking about NHS waiting lists quite rightly because the government yesterday announced that they're going to start reducing them sometime in 2024. We'll talk some more about that as well. Simon Ball's also popping in from the sun. He was at the gender-neutral Brits last night where Adele was crowned queen of the music business. She didn't pull out that particular award ceremony. 0344-499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest-growing radio station in the country. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let us, without further ado, speak to Tom Hunt, Conservative MP for Ipswich. There's plenty to talk about this morning. Tom, a very good morning. Good morning. Thank good morning. You, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Let's kick off. I mean, we've got Prime Minister's questions coming up a little bit later on today. Everybody expects the Keir Starmer, Jimmy Savile row to sort of rumble on. For me, it's a bit of a non-story, to be honest, because I would say Boris Johnson's Prime Minister has got every right to, to say what he said. Um, and quite frankly, to try and pretend that the, the CPS and the DPP uh, and Jimmy Savile are all unconnected uh, with Keir Starmer seems ludicrous, doesn't it? 
Well, I mean, he, he publicly apologised um, for it, I think, on behalf of the, the Crown Prosecution Service. Mm. I mean, I, I think it, it's really important to remember here that Keir Starmer is a candidate to be um, Prime Minister. Uh, so I don't think it is unreasonable uh, for us to you know, look at his time when he was director of the East DPS, I think between 2008-2013, look at some of the things that happened within the organisation at that time. Uh, and I think that's the key thing about leadership and accountability. I mean, we're not saying, of course, that Keir Starmer was intimately involved with every single decision that was made. No. What we are saying is that he was director of the CPS for a five-year period. And I think if we come to a conclusion that during that five-year period, this is a poorly performing an organisation, and they got a number of big calls wrong, and, and lots of things happened during that time. And, and, and I know that he's um, apologised for what happened in relation to... Uh, he's apologised for how the CPS performed with regards to the Jimmy Savile case. I think he's also apologised for grooming gangs as yeah. well. So I, 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 I don't, you know, yes, we can have an argument about whether the Prime Minister, you know, the exact words he used were the correct words to use. But I think, you know, I, if, if Keir Starmer is incredibly uncomfortable about being questioned and up for us to carefully examine his his his, his leadership to the CPS, because, you know, when it suits him, Keir Starmer has no problem talking about the CPS and using it as an example of how he was a great, you know, a law enforcer and everything else. All of a sudden, when you start actually scratching beneath the surface and ask some questions, he doesn't seem to like it. He seems to be incredibly uncomfortable with it. So I know some of my colleagues have been a bit sort of squeamish about all of this. I have to say I haven't. No. There's been a lot, there's been a lot that's happened recently that I've been pretty uh, annoyed about uh, when it comes to um, uh, some of the decisions that the uh, government have made, but not this, I have to say. No. Not this. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I didn't know suddenly when all of these MPs uh, suddenly had an attack of sort of good taste. I mean, it's not known yeah. as a place where taste is, is essentially a part of what goes on. I mean, the House of Commons chamber itself uh, has been um, a place where an awful lot of terrible things have been said about one another, I mean, and, and I would like it to continue like that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're living in a world where the deputy leader of Her Majesty's opposition has called me and all of my colleagues scum twice. Right. Um, you know, so I'm not going to be taught. I'm not going to be taught any lessons by the Labour Party on how to conduct ourselves in the chamber, quite frankly. Well, that's right. And I mean, as far as the hypocrisy coming off the stench off the Labour front benches is quite remarkable, isn't it? I mean, people uh, on the front benches claiming that Boris Johnson is responsible for absolutely everything that goes on everywhere inside of Downing Street and out. Uh, and yet Keir Starmer apparently, while he was head of an organisation that didn't prosecute Jimmy Savile, uh, had nothing to do with it. I think there's, an, there's a very important point here, which is that, you know, yes, you know, over the last few months, the government's, you know, got a number of things, you know, it, it, it's handling of various aspects of communication, not entirely bang on. Uh, but I think it's, it's easy to forget, you know, when, when there's all this drama around the government, but actually sat across the dispatch box is an incredibly questionable opposition. Uh, and the moment the spotlight begins to, you know, get back on Labour, the whole the whole sort of deck of cards begins to sort of fall apart, you know, and I think that, but mind you, it's not enough for us just to point at Labour and say, you know, they're, they're a bunch of jokers, you know, we've got, you know, we're in government, we've got a big majority, we've got to crack on delivering for people's priorities and move beyond the drama we've seen over the last month or so. Yes, but I mean, it's been more than a month, really, it's really been going on for, for, for about three months now, hasn't it? Because it could have started with Owen Patterson it, back in November, and hmm. Boris Johnson's been sort of fighting our people off ever since. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't want to sort of, um, you know, belittle um, the anger felt by many of my, you know, constituents about 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 the revelations because I'm, I'm not going to do that. But what I would say is that, you know, when I do knock on doors in my constituency, I get lots and lots of constituents who say, well, look, we are a bit, we are annoyed about that. But quite frankly, we've got a cost of living crisis, you know, happening. We've got, you know, migrant crossings that we want dealt with. We've got 
various different things, you know, um, right down to sort of local potholes that they want sorted. Uh, and actually, we're a bit sick of this endless debate about parties, who went where, when, what. So, look, I mean, hopefully this Metropolitan Police investigation can come to a conclusion um, as soon as possible, uh, and we can we can, we can can draw a line under it. As I said, I'm not belittling the anger felt by many people over it. I mean, I've been quite clear through statements that I've made that I share a lot of that anger. But ultimately, the main thing that I care about is things like cost of living, uh, immigration, law and order. But don't you uh, think, though, Tom, and, I, and I'm not against what you've just said, but don't you think that there is a point of view which is being expressed to me quite regularly, that Boris Johnson is the one person who could solve this problem uh, straight away, once and for all, he's just got to come out and say what he did, and then say to people, look, you can either accept that that was wrong and ask me to leave, or you can accept that it was wrong and ask me to stay. But there's no need for this nonsensical kind of police investigation into whether or not somebody should be handed a penalty charge notice for 100 quid, is there? Well, I mean, I, 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 look, I think it is regrettable. I mean, I was, I, I really hoped that that Stu Gray report was going to be published in full, uh, and that, you know, warts and all, you know, it would all be out there. Um, we could all form a kind of judgment yeah. and we could, one way, it would be a sort of one way or another, we'd move on from it. But unfortunately, the, the behaviour of the Metropolitan Police means that this is dragging on, and, and all I can hope for is that they conclude their business as soon as possible. But, yeah. you know, I mean, but we, I, we will get to that point in, in the not-too-distant future when we do know what happened fully, you know, and, 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 and I think that, that is a moment where I think we can decisively move on. But for long, as long as this Metropolitan investigation is sort of rumbling on, it's difficult to do so. But, you know, to be fair, you know, Prime Minister is... I think, determined to get back on delivering one of people's priorities. And, you know, everyone says with these reshuffles, you know, she's just shoveling with deck chairs and everything else. But I, I, as a member of parliament, I actually, you know, happen to know a lot of the personalities involved. And on balance, I think that the, the, the sort of staffing changes over the last three or four days have been, have been positive. You know, I'm not going to say, as somebody who put out a statement last week saying that the question shouldn't be who goes from number 10, but who stays. I mean, I pretty much call for a total clear out. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to then start saying, oh, Oh, it's chaos and everything else. Because I, mean, I call, I call for virtually everyone to go. So, um, I, you know, of course that's going to be there's going to be a lot of changes at number ten. And I, I think that Steve Barkley, as chief of staff, I think is pretty good news. You know, he's from the Fens after all. You know, and everyone, you know, he's, he's, he's an MP for the Fens, which is where I used to come from. And that's about, and I said it in the chamber, it's about the least metropolitan woke place in the country. Yes, well, that's um, a good <laughs> thing. But, but, the, but the perception, yeah. unfortunately, outside of uh, Westminster, Tom, is that, you yeah. know, there's not very much being done, which is helping the populace, really. It's all very well saying that, you know, we've got a new team in Downing Street. Most people couldn't care less who's in Downing Street, as long as their bills aren't right, rising you're, you're every, right. every five yeah. minutes. They haven't heard of most of the people anyway. And I don't right. want to be disingenuous to to hard-working uh, MPs and, and politicians. But, you know, what people want to see, as you quite rightly said, is an end of this mad green agenda, the stopping of the people arriving on the beaches of southern England, um, and, and energy prices not going so high that people can't afford to put the heating on. Well, you know, you know my position on the migrant crossings. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm to say that I'm, I'm robust on that is probably an understatement. Mm. You know, but, but I mean, I, I, I agree. You know, we, we, you know, we, we need to. Uh, I, I mean, you know, the Chancellor has, you know, he, he clearly is incredibly motivated by wanting to help people through this very difficult period. You know, the, the chances are we're probably going to have some more developments and some more help announced. I, I, I suspect. You know, so, so there, there is that focus there, and you know, there is this, you know, in terms of NHS waiting lists, and you know, there is, uh, you know, we do have the government who's. Uh, uh, focused on trying to sort those, those issues. We can argue that they're maybe not doing enough, but I, I think, you know, they, I think they have got a government who is desperate to move on from the, you know, the drama and the, you know, the theatre we've seen over the last couple of months. And we've got an opposition who, from what I can see, is determined to keep on talking about it, um, but not talk about, uh, not talk about the history of, 
um, Keir Starmer when he was director of the CPS. Right, because that doesn't really get us anywhere and it just looks like a sort of ridiculous inside the beltway type argument that nobody really, again, outside is that interested in. Because in the end, for, for the party gate stuff to be moved on from and for everybody to just carry on and think that Boris Johnson is the best person to lead the country, he needs to actually do something that people want him to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, look, I mean, we, we need, you know, we, 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 I think, I think that we, um, I think that the government is almost certainly, I think it has to be more when it comes to cost of living. Mm. Um, and I, and I, 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 I'm not unsympathetic to your views about net zero and the green agenda and everything else. I've been very clear that, you know, we've got to tackle climate change, but, you know, I don't want it to be balanced on the backs of the working poor. You know, no. I've been quite clear about that. Um, and at times, you know, I mean, I, you know, we've, we've got this realignment that, you know, potentially has happened in British politics. You know, I want the Conservative Party to be the kind of the authentic voice of working class Britain. You know, that's what I want. I want it to be dedicated to the values and of their priorities. Uh, and at times over the past two years, I mean, it has felt that certain things have got a bit too much airtime and certain things haven't got enough airtime. Um, you know, less interested in lobster welfare more interested in taking back control of our borders, yes. more interested in things like the Northern Ireland Protocol yeah. and what that means for the integrity of the Union, more interested in cost of living, more interested in NHS waiting lists. You know, well, that's another subject I wanted to get onto with you, but slow your on for a moment because I'm going to come back to you uh, in a moment. Tom Hunt is with us. He's a Conservative MP for Ipswich. Ipswich is actually getting some government jobs as well, we think, uh, which might be something to talk about uh, if you're in your, a different part of Britain and you're not in the South East, you're not uh, London-centric, you want to find out why this government uh, wants to keep, keep power and sustain power, then that might be something that you would have a view on. 0344-499-1000 is the number. We're going to talk, of course, about Kurt Zuma as well. We're going to get Tom's view of that. Gary Lineker, unbelievably, um, has apparently agreed with me for the first time ever. Well done, Gaza. Welcome to the good fight. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Answer the question. Fascination. Exasperation. Perspiration. Complication. Listen on the app. Watch it live on your smart TV. Talk Radio! It's the Talk Talk Winter Warmer Sale, with deals hotter than a steaming cup of cocoa. Like our super-fast, reliable fibre broadband, now from just £22 a month for 24 months, with average speeds from 38 to 145 megabits per second, and award-winning customer experience. Brilliant. Deals that make sense sense. Search Talk Talk Fibre. Offers end 16th Feb. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2022. Subject to availability. 9.95 post and packing. T's and C's apply. Nipping out to get bin bags. We've got some. Well, I better take the dog out. We don't have a dog. Okay, okay. The double Big Mac is back at McDonald's. Right. Get the keys. The double Big Mac is here for a limited time. Don't miss it. Served after 11 a.m. Subject to availability at participating restaurants until the 15th of March. Super good. Now streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Pam and Tommy. Oh, that's Pamela Anderson. A star original series. That's Tommy Lee. Based on the true scandal that started it all. How many copies of this are out there? We will get it back. Pam and Tommy. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. 18 plus subscription required. Cheese and cheese apply. At Kia, we believe movement inspires ideas. Take the all-new Kia Sportage. Our sporty SUV with a striking new exterior and advanced interior creates the space to get inspired. Available to order now with hybrid electric technology. And you get £500 towards your PCP deposit and 3.9% APR representative when you order by the 31st of March. Search Kia Sportage. Kia. Movement that inspires. 
3.9% APR representative, Kia Finance. Your way from driveway to motorway. Talk radio, travel update. Turn away, an accident on the western bypass. Travelling south on the A1 before the Angel of the North and Junction 65 for Burley. Tailbacks approaching from Lobley Hill, Junction 67. Still dealing with an accident, Greater Manchester on the M66. Approaching Berry, three cars involved. The Junction 3, Holland. You can't leave the carriageway here. The exit slip is closed and Lane 1 is shut too. Hampshire on the M27 East, away from the M3 and before Southampton Airport. There's a breakdown in Lane 1 at Junction 5. I'm Sarah Elliott. Sharon. I don't know how we'll cope without you. Fred's busy legal firm needs a receptionist for maternity cover. A new arrival who can step in until Sharon returns. We'll see you next year. Indeed can help him find great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Indeed helps you quickly attract, screen and virtually interview great candidates. All through an easy to use dashboard. To start hiring, visit indie.com slash try today. Talk radio. Get a grip. More talk. Pure energy. More taste. More flavor. More outspoken than ever. Clear-headed. Honest opinion. Lively debate. Talk radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Tom Hunt, Conservative MP for Ipswich. Later on, we're going to talk to Dean Ashton and Scott Minto, two former West Ham players, uh, about the Kurt Zuma controversy. He was unbelievably picked to play for West Ham last night. Tom, I don't know if you're a football fan, but um, people generally showing quite a lot of revulsion for, uh, for not only what this guy did to his own cat, but also for the fact that West Ham have actually picked him to play uh, in a match on the very same night that it came out. And it's announced that he's being investigated by the police and the RSPCA. Well, I am a football fan. I was you know, very pleased to see um, Newcastle win last night. I'm a Newcastle United fan. But yeah. no, this, this, I saw this in the, in the newspaper yesterday, this, this story about Kurt uh, Zuma uh, and... No, it's 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 appalling. You yeah. know, I mean, it's you know, I mean, I'm I've been very active. I was actually very active on pet theft as an issue. Mm. In, in you know, and I, I work very closely with Ian Duncan Smith on tabling amendments um, and put, and getting the government to accept them, which the government did. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very passionate about pets and pet welfare, and yeah, so to, to see that, I mean, it was very distressing, and disturbing to see. I mean, I saw the pictures. Um, that's bad. I mean, I saw the videos, and the videos were even worse. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there, there clearly needs to be um, some serious thought given about. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, but at the very least, I mean, it's completely the fact that he's played so recently after that came to light. I think is is completely unacceptable. Yes, I think it's a mad decision by West Ham. I think yeah. they'll they'll live to, to, rue, be... to rue the decision that they made because they yeah. made a, they they say they made the decision based on how good a footballer he is. Well, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of analogies you can make to that. None of them are good. No, I, I agree. I mean, as as a footballer, you are also a role model. Yes. Uh, you, you have lots of you have um, huge numbers of young people, particularly young people, who look up to you. Uh, and and the fact that they've seen somebody who they may have seen as a star, a role model, behaving like that, I think it's it sends a terrible message. Mm. Uh, and I think you know he, there needs to be some sort of punishment. Clearly, but there can be a debate about how severe that punishment is. Uh, but the idea that he's just immediately back in the team a few mm. days later. I, I think is surprising and questionable. Well, quite. And you might also ask the question of the RSPCA, why are they still allowing him to keep these two cats uh, in his house in the meantime, where uh, they might be in some risk? Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not um, always supportive of the RSPCA, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I don't think they always prioritise the right things. Mm. Um, and I think there's a difference between animal welfare and animal rights. Yeah. Uh, but I, but 
um, yeah, it, it's 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 completely unacceptable, and I I I think there needs to be questions about whether those Bengali cats. I mean, I think if it's just one Bengali cat, I mean, they're very expensive. Yes. They're very they're beautiful creatures. Um, you know, and if if you know, and I think maybe he needs a new home. Yes, I think, I think that may well be where it all ends up. But let's talk finally about the NHS, because yesterday Sajid Javid got up to make an announcement, which I'm not quite sure he should have made, really, because we are paying, are we not, come April, uh, a 1.25% levy on our national insurance, supposedly yeah. to cut back on uh, the problems in the NHS, specifically the waiting list. Um, but as they say on the front page of the Daily Mail today, is that all we get for 12 billion quid? We get a reduction in the waiting time sometime around about 2024. I mean, it's not very impressive, I'm afraid. Um, well, well, I haven't seen that particular um, story, um, but look, I mean, it is a gigantic task because we've we've had, um, I think, two million people added to waiting lists throughout the course of the pandemic, um, and one way or another, we're going to have to generate the extra revenue to to help tackle that backlog. Um, whether you know, I, I do think there is a, I do sympathise with what some of my colleagues have said about this levy and whether there's a possibility of it being paused or. For, for the year ahead but you know we do need to have a plan for getting a significantly amount of more money into the nhs to help deal with this backlog i'm i'm very sympathetic to the calls for wider reform of the nhs around efficiency etc yeah. but, but but even bearing that in mind even bearing that in mind we, we do need some extra money going into it because you know because of um, largely because of the impact of the pandemic yes. and um, yeah but if the money's going to be going in as of uh, april or presumably the money could be going in as of now and it just could be being collected as of April. I mean, surely to heavens, it must be now uh, at least conceded by the government that the NHS doesn't work because if it takes as long as that to make a difference, if you're talking about two years hence in order mm. for a difference to be felt, then clearly the systems are, are wrong. There's, not, there's something wrong with it. I, I, I'm As I say, you know, I'm, I, the key thing for me is that the NHS is... is free at the point of use and need but that doesn't mean that we can't look at wider reforms structural reforms to make it more efficient um it, it, it doesn't it hasn't always worked as intended but i think it is important to realize that despite the you know the huge pressures that have been put on the nhs throughout the pandemic um never has more pressure been put on it uh it, it is yes, but a lot standing. of that pressure was put on it by its own management by its own decision making and by its own obsession with covid well, you know um, my views on that. You know, I I, I feel very strongly that um, in order that the management of COVID hasn't always been correct, and uh, and I think that you know I, I really dearly hope that the next time we have a, a COVID variant, we avoid the hysteria that we got um, in December and January. Yeah. And 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 I'm and I'm very very keen for us not to forget how dramatically some of these scientists got their projections wrong. And there needs to be a reckoning because actually the modelling they put out, which time and time again they tend to put out, yeah. sage scientists, which is dramatically wrong, there needs to be a reckoning and there needs to be some consequences. We shouldn't forget it. No. Because their projections, which I, as I say, were hugely inaccurate, weren't without consequence, weren't right. without consequence people's livelihoods, weren't without consequence people's mental health. Um, and so, yeah, I feel very strongly about about that. But look, I mean, I, I do think it's important to realise, though, that there have been many other countries in the world where actually their healthcare system fell over throughout the course of the pandemic. Um, ours didn't. You know, it was under huge pressure, and it does need to be. There does need to be some reform. Yes, except uh, but, it, well, you but, say but it, it didn't. You say it didn't fall over, Tom. But an awful lot of people are dead now because they weren't treated when they should have been. Uh, they have now got stage four cancer because they weren't seen when they should have been. Because the, effectively, the, the NHS did shut down 
for large portions of the public. Yeah. Unless you had COVID, you weren't being seen. You weren't able to get to a GP. You know, these people yeah. have completely ruined the health system in this country. And I think they should have to stand uh, trial or something I, to find I out think... why they did that. But I think there's a I think there's a slight distinction here between like wider COVID management and decisions that were made on COVID about how to manage it and the kind of the structural sort of integrity of the, of the NHS mm. as a system. I think there's a slight distinction there. Um, but I know I am sympathetic to your views about how you know um, how COVID your your concerns about how COVID was managed more generally. Yeah. Um, whilst at the same time acknowledging that at the moment we are one of the freest countries and um, societies and economies in the world. You know, I think it's, it's important that we realise that as well. Well, as long as we stay that way, because there are some yeah. who fear that some of the um, sort of overreach by this government over the course of the last two years, uh, they're getting rather fond of and they're getting quite good at telling us how they want us to behave and getting quite good at giving us instructions. Well, and I think we need to move away from that. The Tory party needs to move away from it. The government needs to move away from it. This is a free country, but unfortunately, it doesn't always feel like it. Well, look, there was a there was a um, a victory, um, you know, in, you know, with, over some of these people recently, and we and, and and that doesn't mean we should get complacent. I'm sure that the next time there's a variant, they'll all pop up again with their same projections. Um, but well, I, you know, well I, I hope they don't actually. I hope Boris Johnson, while sweeping through uh, his new team at Downing Street, yeah. gets rid of all of these sage maniacs. Well, because I also think there's a point which I've said before, which is if you if you've got the privilege of being on one of these committees and feeding into government decision making, you should not be. Um, uh, you know, you should not, at the same time, be trying to bounce ministers into decisions by leaking minutes of every meeting. You know, which was clearly happening, and yeah. there needs to be uh, some consequences for that in an investigation. So, um, and, and you know, I, I, it's interesting. I had a I had a colleague um, uh, from from the other side of the aisle, um, the, the dispatch box. Yesterday, I was at a meeting, and he I overheard him saying, "Well, I'm still wearing my face mask in meetings to set an example." Mm. And I sort of said, "Well, actually, I'm not wearing a face mask." Um, kind of to to try and set a bit of an example. Also, say, to set an example, yeah. You know, I don't want us to be paranoid of fear about this thing anymore. I want us to live full, wholesome lives. Uh, and I, by not wearing a face mask, I now think that I'm. Um, there's various times during the pandemic where I did wear a face mask and I thought I was, you know, I should do as an MP. Now I'm the other way. I yeah. think that I. Well, I don't think know, anyone. I don't think yeah. anyone is in any doubt about the fact that there is no evidence that it's actually doing any good. People are now wearing them in order to show that them, themselves to be What's, a decent just a little people. point. Just a little point, Mike. Which um, you know the thing about face masks in in schools. Mm. What was like? Because we we spent we spent all the time talking about you know school people was having to wear face masks. Just it, I was very concerned actually to hear that actually the majority of teachers have been wearing them as well. Mm. You know, and I was told that they couldn't ad- adequately socially distance in the classroom. Well, really. Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if you stand in front of a classroom, you can adequately socially distance. Yeah. And if you do, if, if for whatever reason you're going really close to them, maybe put it on if you feel more comfortable. Well, but also apparently you, you're in more danger of getting COVID if you're in a union. That's one of the. If you're, in, if you're in a union. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, we know the we teaching unions. We know their behaviour over the last year has has been incredibly regrettable. Yeah, uh, but look, we, we are where we are. You know, I, I, I hope and believe that's the end of it. But rest assured, if if these people pop up again with their dodgy projections, mm. I and colleagues will be there. Yes, um, and we will do what we did last time, which yes. is that we we stood up for what we believed was right. Um, and you know we've um, we've got to move on. But I I think it's highly likely that we will have these people popping up again at some point. Yeah. Um, but which is why I'm saying we shouldn't forget how wrong these guys got it, mm. and there needs to be some kind of consequence because it's happened not yeah. just once. 
Yeah, and, it, and it's unforgivable because people's lives, yeah. as you say, have been ruined. Tom, I've got to run. Thank you very much indeed yeah. uh, for taking right. the time to talk to us. Enjoy Prime Minister's questions. Tom Hunt, Conservative MP for Ipswich. You might not agree with everything he says, but he's always willing to come on and talk about it, which I think is well worth pr- praising him for because an awful lot of MPs die for cover. As soon as there's any trouble, as soon as there's anything that might be a bit controversial, they don't want to talk to anybody like me. Well, Tom always does, so I salute him for that. Lots more to come. Let's have some calls from you as well because isn't it true to say that the NHS did fall over, not because the NHS couldn't handle what was going on, but because they basically shut it down. And here's Bob who says, Mike, as the NHS has been virtually closed for two years, there's not only six million plus, many more. So it will be 10 to 12 million in reality. Throwing cash at it won't solve the problem without serious reorganisation. Absolutely spot on correct. We need to fix the NHS. It's broken. It doesn't work. This is Talk Radio. Let's get some news headlines. Breakfast talk. News talk. Business talk. Talk radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So Jim White says that West Ham have uh, basically stood behind David Moyes, the manager, for picking uh, Carl Carl Zuma for uh, the game last night. Kurt Zuma, I should say. Uh, Let's talk to Scott Minto, a former West Ham player, see what he makes of it all. Scott, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. You Thanks okay? for yeah, very well indeed. Thanks for joining us. I mean, even Gary Lineker thinks this was the the wrong decision, and he and I never agree on anything. Um, but <laughs> suddenly, you know, he's seen sense. I mean, he says it's tone deaf. I think it shows a pretty bad um, sort of PR move. Does it? Does it not from West Ham's perspective? Yeah, let's start with the club first. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I was, I don't want to use the word shock, but incredibly surprised to hear that he Kurt Zuma was actually mm. going to play. I mean, there's not even really a football argument. I mean, if ever there was a game, if you're talking purely from a football level, let's forget morals or, or whatever, um, and in terms of role models with the kids and, and what the kids saw. From a football point of view, they're playing Watford, who are on their third manager this season, yeah. um, playing at home and, you know, are under big pressure in terms of going down. If ever there was a game on the day that all this came out, to not play one of your best defenders, then this was almost the game to do it. Mm. It it was a close one. It was a tight one. It was only 1-0. But Kurt Zuma not playing wouldn't have got three points for West Ham. So that's the football question out the way. In terms of what the the owners have done, they've basically passed the buck. And I think that that shows uh, a real lacking in leadership. You know, even if David Moyes had really wanted to, and obviously he, he had the final say by the sounds of it, they should have turned around and said, look, this is bigger yeah. than three points. This is bigger than... And, and I'm sorry, Mike, even if West Ham would have drawn the game, it doesn't mean to say they're not going to get in the Champions League or that this is the game that didn't get them into the Champions League. Yeah. There's a bigger picture here. So I think David Moyes has done a superb job on the field. I think he's not done anything wrong up to now. A massive error from him. But I actually think it should have been taken out of his hands yeah. by the club. And to hear what Jim's just said now, that they stand by that decision, they just don't get it. No. And this is the problem, right? And it's almost as though they're going to have to use the kind of Sue Gray defence, which is what they're using in Downing Street, uh, about, well, let's wait and see what the RSPCA investigation shows. Well, you don't need an RSPCA investigation. You've got a video of him drop kicking his own cat and slapping it on the head. I mean, you don't need to work out whether or not he's guilty of doing it. He knows he did it. He's already apologised. Yeah, they'll wait for the Sue Gray report and then they'll wait for the Met Police to get involved yeah. and, and kick that can down the road a couple more months. Mm. I mean, look, it, it, it's there's, there's no defence for it whatsoever. And I really think that not only West Ham scored an own goal here, but they missed a real trick in terms of setting the example to, to what the, the values they have as a club. 
Um, and I'm really surprised that they did that because, as I say, even from a football point of view, I think if ever was a game to, to to get to get away with it, even if they didn't think about the moralistic yes. side, you know, in terms of Kurt Zuma, I mean, one, I think he should be prosecuted. Yeah. Two, I think he should be fine. But you know, to him, he, he costs thirty million pounds from Chelsea. He's probably on, I think, it's about hundred hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, and I, I, I don't begrudge him with that at all. He, he deserves that money. But to fine him for two weeks or even four weeks or even six weeks. Yeah. It's not gonna. It's not gonna harm him in any way. He has to not play. I mean, for me, I, I, I think there are rights and wrongs in life, Mike, and then there are levels of wrongs. Mm. You know, he's not committed murder, so let's not say that he should never have a chance of redemption of, of playing football again. You know, but I think first and foremost, off the field, he should never be allowed to have animals, mm. and, and that should be made sure that never happened. Because who's to say if he's get angry about the cat messing up his house now? Well, he's going to get even angrier, isn't he, about what's happened, what his cats made yeah. him do. And yeah, I mean, if he's position. a grown man who can't control his temper, although albeit that they seem to be laughing about it, which kind of made it worse in a way. Yeah. Well, it, it shows even more that they don't get it. And unfortunately, there's a, you know, look, we're, we're when, when Izzy, your producer, called me, I was out walking the dogs. I'm, I'm an animal lover. But actually, it's irrelevant whether you're an animal lover or not. It's just what's right and what's clearly extremely wrong. Yeah. As I say, there are levels of wrong. So I'm not saying you should never play in this country again. And, you know, uh, I do think there should be a, a ban. Mm. You shouldn't be allowed to play for a period of time. But to actually then turn around and say, well, West Ham should sack him. They've just spent £30 million on him at the start of the season. Yeah. He's on a lot of money. I'm sorry, other clubs will pick him up. So let's be realistic about this. That's not going to happen. And I'm not necessarily advocating that. Mm. But what I do think is they had, a, as I say, scored a real own goal by, by playing on the very day it happened against one of the worst teams in the division. Yeah. Um, but, but still even coming out after that now this morning with that statement, that is even more worrying yeah. to me that, that they're backing the decision. Well, that's it. I mean, even as you say, if it wasn't for the moral argument, if they wanted to be smart about this, they should have pulled him from the game last night and you and I wouldn't be having this conversation and the story might well have just disappeared under the radar, as, as these stories tend to do, after a couple of days. You know, Whereas now, they've sort of added fuel to the fire because there are seemingly now two sets of West Ham fans. I've heard some uh, who are talking about how they couldn't watch the game last night, they were ashamed, it's a family club, you know, um, David mm. Moyes himself has said he's an animal lover. Well, I don't know how he can square that with picking the guy no. to play in his team. And then there's the others who say, uh, uh, as, you, as you've said, he's, he, he's a good football player. Uh, he would always be in the lineup if he was picked on his footballing skills. And therefore, what he does off the field doesn't matter. And I don't get that. No, it does matter. Of course it matters. And, and, you know, look, I played for West Ham. It's an incredibly passionate club with fantastic fans. And to think that where they are right now, the job that David Moyes is doing is, is absolutely incredible. So I understand the, the almost the, the, the pressure from inside to say, oh, we, we could do Champions League this year. We've never done Champions mm. League before. But I, I think the majority are still saying, and if you look at it, as I say, of what I've already gone with the football front as to why they could have done that and still won the game anyway. Mm. I think the majority of West Ham fans are saying, no, we're, we're a club of, of good, you know, East End people. And obviously there's, there's West Ham fans around the country and around the world, but we have values. And, you know, my, there's two things here. One about the club. Uh, and I think they got it wrong. And they still cleared this morning. Don't get it. Not even a... No, well, actually, looking back with hindsight, we made a mistake. We shouldn't do it because I don't think it would have gone away. No, but I don't think the spotlight would have been brought on West Ham. The spotlight should never be taken away from Kurt Zuma. And as I say, look, he hasn't committed murder here. He'll always have the shame of going to different places and people looking at him as that's the guy who kicked the cat, chased mm. the cat. Yeah. But also, even the role model 
I mean, I, I, I'm one, Michael, that I don't necessarily think that footballers should be role models, although I accept that they are. Yeah. I think your parents should be role models. Mm. And the kids inside the house are seeing that and playing up to it because obviously they want daddy to, you know, to, to, to be part of what yeah. daddy's playing as well. It's just absolutely despicable. Mm. And if you do that to the next generation, then the next generation are going to do exactly the same. Yeah. Is there a, a role here for the Premier League, perhaps? Because while you said it might have been a good idea to take it out of David Moyes' hands, maybe it's a good idea to take it out of West Ham's hands so that the Premier League would say he's banned from playing in the Premier League for the rest of the season or something like that. Well, you'd have to look at the rules and regulations on that one. I don't know if the Premier League are allowed to, to get involved. And if they are allowed to get involved, then yes, there certainly should have been phone calls at the very least. And look, are you, are you sure about this? And you know what you're doing. Very difficult to comment without actually knowing about whether the Premier League in this particular instance are allowed to get involved. But Mike, I don't think they should have had to have got involved in no. the first place. This no. is something that West Ham as a club should be sorting out themselves and it should come from the hierarchy to even tell David Moyes, look, we know Kurt's a great player. We know he's a great defender. We know he's, we're better side with him in the side. But I'm sorry, you know, this is something that's just a little bit bigger, for the, even if it's just for this particular game. I think that's and, and obviously right. they brought it on themselves. Yeah. Scott, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Scott Minto, former Premier League player for West Ham, of course, and Chelsea. Uh, also played for Benfica uh, over in Portugal. The point about all of this, surely, is that West Ham have dropped a massive uh, ball here, uh, for want of a better word. They should have not played Zuma last night. They should have punished him straight away. There's no need to wait for an investigation or to ask for whether the police are going to press charges or anything like that. They've seen the video. We've all seen the video. I called on the RSPCA yesterday to prosecute him. They're still looking into it. Well, what are they looking into? Eh? A dark room with no black lights in it? What is going on? Why can you not see the video and just say, this is now a prosecutable matter? Surely that's straightforward, isn't it? This is Talk Radio. Independent Talk. Proper Talk. News Talk. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are, of course, the home of Common Sense, and Common Sense has been spilling out of the speakers uh, and out of the televisions of the nation uh, as you listen to this show. Uh, we're going to get more of that. Tony Buxley is here for the next hour. Uh, she's going to be talking to us about a great many things, uh, including, of course, the new NHS plan to give you an injection to help you lose weight. We're going to talk about sleep deprivation, whether that's good for you or bad for you. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about online porn. We've got all sorts of things to talk about because here at the Independent Republic, we are a very broad church. We take your views, uh, we amplify them for you, we let you have a voice, because that is what is very desperately needed in this country. What we don't need is people like Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson absolutely dominating the airwaves and telling us what to think. That's not for us, that's not for you, and it's not for me, and it's not for Tonya either. 0344 We'll also talk uh, about more uh, Kurt Zuma conversations, because this is a man uh, who thinks kicking a cat around in front of his own children uh, is a great idea. West Ham seem to think that's fine because they played him last night. Unbelievably. We'll be speaking uh, to um, Dean Ashton, who's a former West Ham player. We'll see what he has to say. Scott Minto uh, is like me, saying that West Ham should not have played him last night. And in fact, they should punish him quite severely. Not necessarily for the rest of his life, but certainly for the rest of this season. He shouldn't be playing Premier League football. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Is it any wonder? It's Talk Radio. 
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. There we are. I'm just going to throw this over there uh, because we finished with that. Tonya's here. Very good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, How Mike. are you? I'm very well. How are you? Very well. Very yeah. well. I'm in a very good mood today. I my daughter is coming to see me yeah. from Dubai. I haven't seen her since about a year and four weeks ago. See, that... that Not that I, I'm I, counting, obviously. Uh, yes, no, but I couldn't cope with that, Mike. I'm one of these people that I am the person in the, my big... Fr- that Greek wedding. Yes. I somehow. I love your family though. Your family seems to be an amazing kind of conglomerate of just joy. Thank you. We 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 we're not. We bicker like crazy. Well, good. But, but you need but, to. But I but you know I do like to have an open house. So you know my daughters are there. Their friends stay over often. Right. You know I like everyone to come to me. I want yes. them close. Yes. So I don't know how I'd cope if I, I hadn't know. seen my daughter. Well, the other you. well, I'm also going over to America to see my mother and yes. I mean I've somehow managed to have a family that is spread all over the globe which doesn't really help, you know. So Dubai to Los Angeles. My son in Los Angeles is going to come to visit in Connecticut when I go there. Um, but it's really hard to get them all together, which is why it was so annoying at Christmas, because we were going to get them all together and then, and then we couldn't went. go. No, I, I do the Greek guilt, Mike. Yeah. You, you can, I, I've actually told all my children, you cannot leave me, <laughs> I, otherwise I won't be able to cope and you'll yes. give me a nervous breakdown. I've actually right. told my kids... So you have to move next door or something. Forget about it. I've actually told them when they go to university that they're not allowed to go for more than an hour's drive away from where I am. Right. Because if I need to see them, I can get in the car and see yes. them for an hour. And, and people have told me that's really selfish and I don't care. I don't think so. I, I need think them it's quite me. admirable, actually. I think it's lovely <laughs> well, because you know we watch them grow and yes. it seems only literally I mean my two now who are youngest 15 and 17 they're so big I mean, they're yeah. bigger than me yeah and you go and look through the the, the the holiday pictures from like four years ago and they're little children they're babies I know and it, it was only quickly. four or five years ago now mm-hmm. they're like these hulking brutes yes you know I'm not even <laughs> sure I could control them in a fight anymore no. you know anyway so let's talk about life in general how is yes. it Life, life is getting better. It is getting we are better. getting back onto the straight and mm. narrow, but we have to be really vigilant. Yeah. So I'm just going to pop this in there that if you haven't signed the Together Declaration, mm-hmm. please go to together.org yeah. and sign it because it's not just about vaccine mandates. Mm. It's about our freedoms ongoing. Yes. And bear in mind that Sajid said that he was going to get rid of the vaccine, vaccine mandates and he hasn't quite done that. Right. So we've really got to hold so his... Face to, to the, the fire. fire. Yeah. No, face to the face fire. Face to the fire. Face to the fire. Well, I was talking to Tom Hunt, who's one of the good MPs, I think, because, I mean, he comes, at least he comes and speaks to us, which a lot of them don't do. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to agree with everything he says. But he's, I, he said, well, we do live in a free country. And I said, well, we do, but we have to be very careful that these people who have been running the country do not get too much of a taste for controlling us. But they have they, got too much of a Because they taste. really like it now, yeah. right? Oh, and you see they? it in Scotland, you see it in Wales, much worse than here. Yeah. So I think we've also got to keep that fight up as well to make sure Absolutely, that, constantly. you know, stop telling us what to do, stop telling us which way to walk, you know. Who we can see. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to tell me who I could see, which part members of my family yeah. who I could see. Well, you know, you, you just heard how what I feel yes, about that. That's exactly. never going to happen. Exactly right. And you were telling me that a lot of people have been coming up to you lately as well. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because mm. it's it's been kind of constant now for the past few months I don't step out of the house doesn't matter where I am I can be in the country I can be in town or whatever people coming up to me and telling me um, thank you. Mm. Uh, the the thing that happened the other day was I went um, and we're, uh, we've got a puppy and we might be going away so we, we yeah. tried a, a dog walker out and I knocked on her door to collect uh, the uh, tzatziki, tzatziki, our dog, and she saw me and she went, oh my gosh, it's you. Right. She burst into tears and cuddled me wow. and said, thank you so much. At a time when I was feeling I was going crazy, mm. you and Talk Radio and Mike Graham made me feel sane. And I just, we, 
you and I put up with so much yeah. trolling and mm. so much negativity that we were called granny killers and that we didn't care about people yeah. and that we were heartless. But actually, we were the least heartless because we were talking about things other than people yes. who had COVID, right. which is now proving to be more, much more people have suffered yes. with ill harms and mm. deaths well, I mean, lockdown. I'm talking about it this morning, and we'll talk about it some more, I'm sure, the NHS waiting list. You know, oh. Sajid Javid, I might even bother saying, oh, we can make an announcement because, you know, coming in 2024, in March, soon we'll be able to reduce the waiting list. Sorry. Just, it's just not good what? enough. Mike, it's just not good enough. And I'm, what I'm really feeling is that throwing money at the NHS is not working. It's not the answer. So taking our money that we've suffered for two years not mm. making money and taking it and putting it into the NHS is still just feeding the middlemen. It needs... It's broken. Mm. No, no other country in the world will find 10 million people on a waiting list or 6 million no. people are acceptable. Which other country thinks that's okay? I know. The NHS is broken and it needs fixing mm. from the top down. Yeah. The people that work hard, all the nurses, all the people that are doing those long shifts, yes. they should be getting the money. Yeah. All these middlemen that are getting quarter of a million yeah. a year for right. what? Pushing paper around? Tony Blair's former advisor, right, who now runs something called the NHS Federation. The NHS Federation exists purely and simply to procure money for the NHS, right? Now, why does that have to be done? Because yeah. the, the government gives them money anyway, so they don't have to yeah. make a case for more money. But almost everybody on that organisation is on a six-figure salary. He's That's, on about 250000 a year. It's just completely what are they doing? outrageous. Yeah. And the other thing that needs to be fixed in the NHS is we've got to be a, stop being a shop front for Big Pharma mm. and start putting holistic health first. Yes. It's the most well, important Well, you know, I've thing. never understood why, as an organisation, the NHS is not dictating to the pharmaceutical companies. Thank you. Why is it the other way around? You know, and why I mean, are we paying more than anybody yeah, else for drugs? We're the biggest health organisation, I think, probably in the world, yeah. because over in America it's all split up into different HMOs and yeah, all yeah. that, right? So the NHS, huge purchasing power. If I was running it, I'd go to these companies like Pfizer and go, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll buy 75 million you know, Viagra tablets off you, um, but I'll only, I'm only going to pay you a penny for each one. Yeah, that's, what, that? a, that's what a free market yeah. does for you. you know, and if you don't want power. that, we'll go and buy them from somebody else. Yeah, ex Cheerio. exactly. Isn't that, that what you do? That is what you do, unless there's something a little bit odd going on. Mm. And, I, and I feel that there's many things a little bit odd going on that yeah. really need to be put under a magnifying glass yeah. and fixed. And also I said to Tom Hunt that we need to be sure, because he was saying we have to remember how wrong all of the scientists were and yes, how the sage absolutely. people and their modelling was useless. Yeah. And I said, well, not only should we remember that, but we shouldn't let them anywhere near the process anymore. No, and we, I'm we, sorry, should, they and we should not deal with behavioural psychologists. Behavioural mm. psychologists need to go in some corner. Yeah, behave. And behave themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Behave. <laughs> behave. But listen, let's talk about kids because yes. um, we've got the online... Um, porn yes. bill, I suppose, for want of a better word, going through. Laura was here yesterday yeah. talking about how concerned she was about the kind of privacy issues of that. Yes. Because obviously um, that is one aspect of it. But another aspect of it is our children's well-being, isn't uh, it? It really is our children's well-being. And I don't, I don't, I don't think this bill is going to actually do anything. So I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Mm. Um, what I feel needs to be done, because the thing is, you can, you can make sure that somebody puts their age in. But let me tell you, when kids want to get around something, yeah, they, they are techno brilliant yes. much more than you or I are and and also everyone's got smartphones and they'll be able to sit right. somewhere else so let's 
I don't think that's going to do anything. No. What will do something is actually in school during their PHSE classes, instead of talking about things that I don't think should be that relevant to our children at the moment. Mm. You know, I think I think gender is a difficult subject to talk about and and doesn't affect all the kids there. I think no. one of the things that will affect all children is if they are exposed to porn early on. Yeah. And I think that needs to be the warning that children get. One of the things that I said um, more to, to my sons rather than my daughters as much because they're a bit older is you're going to see things if you go looking mm. that you can never unsee yeah. and I promise you it will disturb you yeah. and uh, because we have a, a good relationship with my children they, I, we talked it through and I think it sat somewhere mm. and, and, and you know, the you boys do, thought it? about it but that conversation needs to be had most yeah. parents are completely delusional yes. when it comes to what they think their kids yeah. are up to they have no idea I mean I, because I'm, I'm not you know a grass um, I never say what I know because my children are very open I yes. know what's going on with yeah. everything and some of it you don't want to tell them you know right no but no because my kids tell me right. that doesn't bother me I just don't want to tell the parents mm. I know because it's not my place right. because when you hear them speaking about their children it's not the kid I know, right? right. <laughs> and I and I'm not, I, you know, the, I don't want to be the messenger. No, the messenger no, I think that's shot. fair enough. So I, I, unless it's something really dangerous, yes. I, I I choose not to. Right. So most parents are delusional about mm. their children. So it, I think, it is left with the schools yes. to sit down and just give these kind of warnings about porn and yes. it's got to start I think in year six before you uh -huh. go to secondary school I think yeah. it needs to start in primary school because from what I I'm think reading for a lot of children now it does start it does they're, they're school, looking at porn I don't think they do it right though because I think yeah. if you start to tell say an I don't know nine or ten year old child about something that they can't even imagine no they're, not, they're never going to take it in they're never going to understand it they're not going to get it at all are they no they won't but I think we're from all the studies I've read uh, people are being exposed to young children are being exposed to porn um, as early as 10 and 11 yeah. so I think it should be touched on there right. and then once you get to secondary school it should be but again be an it comes back to the social media conversation doesn't it because Snapchat and TikTok yeah. and you know Twitter Facebook all of those places are places potentially where bad things are going on yeah they are I don't know how on. you stop that because again these companies which which produce this stuff are very good at getting around the rules aren't they, they are really good but that, that's got to start because i mean home. we've tried with the, the shield and all that sort of stuff that you have and none of it works <laughs> it doesn't work it's at ridiculous all. it really doesn't i mean work. it's like the old uh, you know net curtains to stop covid you know it's still yeah. coming in yeah yeah you know there's what, nothing masks to stop yeah, COVID. they're yeah, the ones <laughs> yeah whatever yeah. but you know those pictures that people used to put yeah. out the shopping trolley when you yeah. carry the sand in it you know it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I do think that if you are lucky enough to be able to have open conversations with your children, you should start them from young. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable, maybe it should be something that the school can help you with. Yes. Definitely. Talking about, let's get your view on Mr. Zuma as well while we're talking about oh. influencing children. Because you know, I'm so concerned about that's his horrible, children. That's horrible, isn't it? I'm so concerned about his children that they were laughing and thought it was funny by the example that their father had set, mm. that this is okay and this is funny. And, it, and so children are not born evil. No. But that was evil. Yeah. He is teaching them evil. He's, yeah. he's teaching them it's okay to do this. Yeah. It's okay to be cruel. And we know that um, any kind of psychopathic behaviour starts in children. Mm. And it always starts, if you talk to someone, um, to the psychologists and the psychiatrists that deal with people that have killed people, mm. it started with hurting animals. Yes, always. That's where it starts. Yeah. So and not thinking it's, it's very dangerous. A, I'm not thinking. A consequence at all. I can't believe. Um, West Ham United as a football club think that it's all right for him to you know, play. Mike, I'm not sure about your opinion on mm. that. I personally think that um, I don't see why West Ham and their, that the supporters should be penalised. I think he should be penalised. I think that his 
fee for playing uh, a big old chunk of it like a big chunk of it like you know two thirds should go to animal charities for a period of time because that's how he'll really feel it you know and animal charities need money to stop what he does but surely the best punishment for him is for him not to be able to play football because that's what he does only if his wages stopped yeah well stop his wages as well because he shouldn't get paid if he doesn't play but the point about allowing him to play for me means that nobody cares what he did it doesn't matter what he did because he's, a good, because he's a good footballer yeah but it's about money yeah. and it's about I, I mean I, I was speaking to a West Ham fan who just said look it's disgusting outrageous I hate it but you know I don't want my team to lose because he's not playing why should I be punished well, that's, because he's isn't, evil isn't, isn't that a double standard doesn't that mean that actually you are somebody who is actually rather unsavoury yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because it you're, does, you're effectively saying don't worry um, doesn't matter what he does he's a good player Unfortunately, you draw with, the line? with footballers, and not that not that they're all like that, but many many footballers, footballers, I think because they start young and they start getting this huge amount of money young, and they think that they can do what they like and everything yeah, could be covered up and just pay up for everything and pay for everything. I wonder whether it's you know it, it's not good for their their humanity it's really not. and their mental and growth. And for kids again watching football, yeah. who might be even wearing a Zuma shirt because yeah. he's a good defender, what's that teaching them? Terrible. Do things. what you like. Yeah. As long as you're good at what you do, you can get away with anything. And I think that's why. I think you're right. Well, you know, there is a discussion to be had. It's just I don't want it to be trailed into other things. No. That's the thing. That's the worry. Mm. So once you start doing that, what does it mean to the next thing? Yeah. But I do think that he should, you know, his his wage should be taken and given to animal charities Mm. and to, you know, kindness. Well, do you know one of the more bizarre aspects of the story that we got yesterday is that he's actually an ambassador for a big cat charity no he is no way that looks after big cats who have been abused in the wild huh? unbelievable anyway. i mean you couldn't make that stuff up could you, you really couldn't you really couldn't you really couldn't <laughs> we'll come back with tonya buxton and we've got lots more to talk about including the uh, losing weight jab which you can get uh, sometime soon on the nhs this is talk radio ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Independent Republican. Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Prime Minister's questions coming up. Simon Boyle's going to be here as well. He was at the Brits last night, the gender-neutral Brits, of course, where uh, there were no women winners or men winners. They were just winners and a lot of losers, quite frankly. Uh, Tony Buxton's here. Let's talk about this jab for uh, losing weight. What do you reckon about that? So, um, as with all medication, you know, the, it's hailed as this brilliant thing, but it's you've got to be really careful with it. OK, so the, the thing is, is that 65% of all adults in Britain are overweight or Mm. obese. So that is a a high number. Being overweight or obese leads to many, many health issues. Many. You know, it's it's the one thing you can do for yourself to lose weight, to give yourself longevity and and, and a good life. Yes. And stave off other illnesses. And stave off other illnesses. Because what fat does on your body is it causes inflammation. Mm. Inflammation is the cause of 
everything that goes wrong. Right. So, you know, that's why so many people who are overweight suffered with COVID because it caused inflammation. Right. So if you don't have that, then you, you're already setting yourself mm. up. So this particular BC drug, before everyone goes crazy about it and wants to, to go on it, I just need to just... Saw, tell you a little bit about it before you okay. get overexcited. Now, this information I got from the brilliant Zoe Harkham. So you can go to her website, uh, zoeharkham.com, and she uh, is she's just, just the best nutritional doctor that I, I've ever heard of. Yes, she I've digs seen her deep around, into yeah. things. She kind of works it out, and she gives you a really good... Mm. Um, balance for right. you to understand things are going so this is this drug is called uh semaglutide or okay. semaglutide and um the problem is is it has some pretty horrific side effects mm. the side effects include and this is the one stated on on the packaging that they it will include um nausea diarrhea and vomiting um and well, well if you you've got that's what i mean <laughs> <laughs> there you go you if know, you're on a anybody drug. who's had gastric <laughs> exactly. flu exactly you um, come out and you go ta-da Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly it, isn't yeah. it? So that is that is the one of the main things that kind of made me think. Mm. Yeah. Um, the people that have done the studies are the people that have actually um, made the drug. Mm. So uh, you know, the, this is the other thing that worries me about big pharma now. Yes. So the trial was sponsored, designed, and overseen by the maker of the drug, which is Novo Nordisk. Okay. Well. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yes, but so, well, you know, it, is that acceptable? Mm. That, well, that you, you, you've I got mean, a I drug suppose, that you want to sell yeah. and you do all the studies around it. Now, we know from what's happened with um, some of the COVID vaccine ones that the, the, the things that they were saying at the beginning mm. is 100% effective yeah. were absolute rubbish. Right. But that's because they were the makers of it and that's yes. why they said that. So right. I don't find that acceptable uh, as an acceptable You would reason. expect, wouldn't you, the NHS to test them in Thank and of you. themselves? Well, Although, that, that, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're not very efficient at doing that. I mean, God knows they're not very efficient at much. So maybe yeah. they, if they do that, it takes five years or something before they can tell you whether it's any good but we spoke to a doctor yesterday about it and it turns out that to be fair it's probably more more or less an appetite suppressant isn't it that's basically what it is well it, yeah it basically is that but you know it like i said it has some pretty horrific side effects just bear in mind that this one of the acute things that it can do and i need because I, I know that i, I was on the I had I was on the phone all morning to people that were saying to you do you recommend it do you yeah. think we should do it because mm. i'm a, i'm a very basic nutritionist yeah and i do i i'm all about holistic eating right. and i know how hard it is to lose weight and you know i i'm one of the things that i've realized throughout studying nutrition for the past 25 years mm. is that you've got to get down however you can you know if you just lose the weight yeah. you know i personally would say to you eat a good diet yeah. you know 80 percent plant-based diet 20 percent you know animal good good proteins yeah. you know exercise, but also decent stuff as well decent stuff that's right. not pumped full of hormones exercise and mm. do it that way and that's really really hard i know it's really hard mm. because i am someone who fights to to stay the size i am yeah. really really and it's hard. harder as you get older as well it's harder as you get older but it's it is not we were having this great conversation last night with some michelin starred chefs having mm. a conversation and you know they're saying you know how do you do it you're always eating because when, when i'm out i eat yeah but then today i will be very very careful and i will make sure that i up my exercise so it's always kind of balanced yeah. around the thing is is obesity um is people will do anything to lose weight mm. it's the it's i mean once big pharma Especially cracks for, it and i don't mean to be sexist here but i mean women tell me that basically they've been on a diet all their life yeah they say this is my life i'm always on a diet yeah you know but i mean i think sometimes you need to kind of change your mindset yeah. a little bit I, I personally think that you know i would ra i like um 
not having things. I like a bit of famine because mm. then I can feast. Yeah. I quite like that. Right. And also I think when I feast, then things taste better. Yeah. I, you know, I like, I make this particular chocolate cake, which has a chocolate ganache in it. It's mm. really, really rich. And I, I have it like once a month when I make it. Mm. Now, if I had it every day, I don't think it'd taste as nice. No. So sometimes abstinence is good. Yes. But, and, and that's the, what happens with when you get into a bad diet is that your taste buds are reduced because yeah. you're eating especially a lot of processed food and you Very forget salty. salty sugary sugar is is the enemy but one of the one of the things that about this is that it, it, it can cause pancreatitis uh, hyperglycemia it can cause a diabetic eye disease um, there are so many side effects and one of them that i was just reading about now it can it can cause a, a thyroid uh, c-cell humor mm. uh, tumors so please be careful if right. you're going to go out for this drug just think about the side effects and think, you know, obesity itself has its own complications. I get that. But how much is acceptable yeah. as a side effects to balance it up? Right. I and think some people they... might be more susceptible to that than others. right? Absol absolutely. But, you know, it cost, this jab costs 75 quid a month mm. if you're doing it. Now, with that 75 quid a month, I, I personally would have put it into free gym memberships and maybe, um, you know, getting a trainer to help yeah. you or a nutritionist to mm. help you, like a whole package. A whole package needs to be done by the NHS to help yeah. people lose weight and to teach um, people that have never been taught how to eat properly and how to cook properly how to do it and, and do it yeah. that way mm. because that has sustenance and that will carry on and, and that won't have any of the side effects. Right. It will only have positive effects. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I do understand that some people are absolutely desperate to get their weight down. Mm. I don't think this is the answer. Mm. I okay. really don't. I think it's really dangerous. Let's talk about sleep. We haven't got a lot of time, but you've got something to say about yes, that as well. Yes, so, you know, the, if you don't sleep properly, mm. and that's why a lot of the time when you see people that work shifts, they're overweight, yeah. because they're not sleeping properly. Mm. It's really important that you get a good sleep clinic before you go to bed. Mm. So my advice would be is put your phone down two hours yeah. before you go to sleep. Don't look at any blue screens. Uh -huh. And do the things that are going to help you get sleep, because if you sleep, then your body works better. Yeah. You're more likely to um, metabolise things, because if you don't get enough sleep, it makes you crave sugar and carbohydrates right. because that tiredness makes you crave them mm. and you are more likely to gain weight so whilst people think what can i do to help myself try and get some good sleep it mm. will make a big difference to yeah. your life and does it matter how much sleep and if it's all in one go i've i've taken to having naps yes which is great well i'm I mean, mediterranean I can sometimes, yeah i can sometimes <laughs> have like a 10 minute nap and yeah. feel great it depends on what works for you. Yeah. I mean, because I'm from the Mediterranean, we all everyone does see siestas. When, yes. when in the heat of, of summer, you know, there would be two hours blocked out of the day. Right. The shops would shut pre-air conditioning. Yeah. The shops would shut. Everyone would go back, have a sleep during the heat, and then go back again. Yeah. So if it works for you, it's great. And if you're someone that is able and capable of having a power nap, because it can't be more than 20 minutes. Uh. Once it becomes more than 20 yes. minutes, yeah. it's actually detrimental. Right. So if you're that person that can do that, that's great. But some people need six hours sleep yeah. some people need eight hours mm. sleep you've got to find out what works for you See, i always found sure it, it really hard to go to sleep before about midnight i just find it really difficult to do and sometimes when i've been say filling in for julia and i've had to go to sleep at say nine or ten o'clock wow, i'm just yeah. like I, I can't do that i couldn't do it long term there, there is a genetic makeup that makes you a morning person or a night person yeah. so i'm a morning person yeah. so I, I can do that yeah my uh, dad was like that he was always up at the crack of dawn yeah doing stuff I'm yeah like, what are you doing yeah, yeah. You know. It is part of your DNA, yeah. but you can retrain your DNA. Yeah. You could retrain yourself to yes. go to bed early. But I was, of course, more, I mean, years ago, I used to do the overnight show on yeah. Sports, so I was quite happy working through the night. I didn't mind that. Yeah. You know, but much prefer that than getting up at three in the morning to come and do a breakfast show. That's a terrible like, time to wake oh, up. <laughs> you know, this is not right. Anyway, listen, great to see you, Lovely as ever. to see you too. Um, we will see you next week, same time.
Uh, if you see Tonya, thank her because she's done wonderful things for all of us, uh, including me. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, she makes me feel joy every time I see her. So there we are. Accept no substitutes. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio where we are of course full of the uh, joys of spring because spring might well be upon us. It's quite warm this weekend apparently coming up. Uh, it may well be uh, that you're out and about. It may well be that you're stuck in traffic. It may well be that you're finding everybody's gone back to work. We've been talking to some of you today about the NHS and the waiting list. We'll get back to more of that. Uh, Bengal cats are very difficult to look after says Angela and need special care uh, specialist care. Uh, he obviously he's talking about the footballer. He can't handle their temperament and their Therefore, should give them up for rehoming. I think that's true. Uh, and Sophie says, Mike, if West Ham are dealing with it internally and if found guilty, they'll fine him two weeks' wages and donate to the RSPCA. That sounds as though they've bought the RSPCA off, especially if the RSPCA don't investigate it. Lots of you uh, have much to say about all of this because, quite frankly, um, people are astonished that the RSPCA, one, haven't yet prosecuted um, Zuma, and the fact that the police are still sort of hanging about going, oh, we're just looking for some evidence. Well, there's a video. There is a video. Um, speaking of which, let's talk to Steve Gooding, director of the RAC Foundation. The story uh, came across the desks this morning in which it says that police are dropping one in six speeding offences because of faulty cameras um, and systems that don't work terribly well. Uh, this is an RAC um, study, so let's see what's going on. Steve, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Well, um, police dropping one in six speeding offences uh, can't be something they particularly want to do. So so tell us what's going on. Well, it's uh, it's actually quite hard to tell from the figures. These are figures that have been produced by the Home Office. They've been supplied by the police forces. And there is some interesting news. Uh, the fact that the volume of traffic dropped by quite a lot, 26%, if we think about it, in the early days of the COVID crisis. Um, but the speeding offences dropped by not nearly as much, 6%. Mm. But then there's this figure that you picked up that something like 17% of the detected offences are then dropped for a variety of reasons. And one of those reasons uh, is when cameras aren't properly calibrated or not working. Another one, of course, is where people are cloning uh, number plates or disguising their number plates mm. and making it difficult for the police to pursue. Right. I mean, if somebody's done that um, and say they've cloned my number plate, uh, what can I do about that if I then get a, a speeding fine, for which I know I didn't actually, um, I'm not responsible for? Well, of course, it's very important to come straight back on that. I mean, um, I think we probably all know people who uh, have experienced this. You've got uh, something saying you were doing this many miles an hour in this place right. and you weren't there at all. Right. And so long as you can show that's not somewhere I was. And indeed, that's not my vehicle. That yeah. might be my number plate, but it's not my vehicle. Then the police will almost certainly drop the case uh, pretty smartly. Mm. Um, the challenge for them, of course, is... Now, how do they get after the person who has been cloning her number plate right. and, and make sure that they catch them? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, funnily enough, this morning I was pulled across uh, the road by a police force um, of about 30 police officers who were off the, the main road in London, just checking people's insurance and checking people's cars. And it seemed, I suppose it's a worthwhile endeavour, but it seemed like there was an awful lot of police checking cars um, when they could have been doing something else. And, you know, I don't know whether they find anybody who's not insured or whether those, those sort of spot checks are, are worth anything. Um, but it seems to me that uh, the police force now, or the police service as it's now known, I suppose, is more interested in making money than it is in doing anything else. 
Well, the money doesn't go to the police force in the first instance. So we've got to say they might be making money, but they're not making it for themselves. <laughs> but more to the point... Is I it going to the local councils then? Well, it goes, um, much of it goes into the Treasury, into the consolidated fund. Uh, I'm not saying that's not worthwhile. What I'm saying is this. It's important that uh, the rules of the road are there for us to follow to keep us all safe. Mm. And we have to feel that when we're tempted that there's a material risk that we will get picked up. So I don't want to find that I'm out on the road with lots of people who haven't got uh, insurance. Mm. And therefore, uh, having the police doing, as you encountered this morning, a, a random spot check. You don't know when that's going to happen. You weren't expecting it this morning. But it, I, I'm pretty sure it's created in your mind the thought that that could happen again. Mm. Now, you and I have got car insurance, but some other people were going to get yes. picked up by that. And very right and proper too. No, absolutely right. And I'm, I wouldn't ever say that that's not a worthwhile endeavour. But I mean, I thought they were also now able to get number plate recognition on almost every street. So they could easily, and I know of cases where police have actually pulled people over because they've been driving behind them and the, their computer on board the car says they haven't got insurance, even sometimes when they have. No, I mean, I've seen them doing it um, several times at the same spot, actually, but they've just never pulled me in before. So I was slightly knocked because I had to come to work a different way because I had to take a, a, a detour. But but, you know, I mean, the speeding camera situation seems interesting to me as well, because a lot of modern cars now have got a little warning that tells you if one of the speeding cameras that you're approaching is actually live. Um, but I know that I know that I've noticed that in some cases that's not now happening. So I wonder if they've got cleverer um, and taken away the whatever the, the, the sign was that made that little beeping noise. Well, I think the, the other clever thing probably to pull up there is that it's really quite difficult in a modern car not to know that you're exceeding the speed limit, whether mm. you've got your sat nav on or you're, you've got your speedometer up in front, any number of warnings are going to say, hang on a sec, I thought the speed limit along here was 30 and you right. appear to be doing a bit more. Right. And I think uh, being aware of that, um, being aware of your speed, keeping it down a bit, thinking about other road users, that's where we ought to be. Yes. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems we currently face, and I know this is going slightly off the subject, is is the congestion that now exists in so much of the country because there's so many people driving around, some of which is, is due to COVID restrictions and some of which is due to people not wanting to go on public transport. But there's a lot of cars out there and there never really has been a point, during, even during the whole pandemic, uh, where there weren't very many cars. I mean, London is quite, quite often gridlocked altogether um, from sort of, you know, nine o'clock in the morning till about six o'clock at night. And you just can't really get anywhere. And so... I think for a lot of people, there's a frustration level as well because they're taking so much longer to get anywhere. Well, co congestion is one of the great curses of modern life, I think, isn't it? And mm. it is frustrating. You think a journey is going to take you a certain length of time. Suddenly you're in a queue. And what's most, uh, I think, and concerning about that is you don't know what's at the front of the queue. It could be roadworks. Mm. It could be emergency works to repair a gas main. It could be someone's had a shunt, all of those things. Um, but you're right. It's important that we find out what's causing the holdups and insofar as we can tackle and we do that and i think for all of us if it's the case that you think oh well, i might make that car journey but maybe i'm just going to get caught in a jam mm. well maybe maybe make one less car journey but you know i, I know that's going to be difficult for some people yeah. because a lot of those trips are important they're the trips that keep the country moving and we need to do our yeah. best. And the other thing as well, Steve, is that an awful lot of parts of the country don't have the option um, which we have in London, which is to take public transport. You know, there's plenty of public transport in London. There's plenty of public transport in, in some cities. But there's an awful lot of parts of the country, particularly rural parts, where there's nothing. And if you haven't got a car, you're not going anywhere. Well, there's lots of people driving around in what we used to think of as the rush hour in the town where I live. Mm. And I noticed that. Um, 
like many other office workers, I've mostly been working from home in the last couple of years. So I've seen the people driving around. A lot of single occupancy vehicles, a lot of people by themselves in cars have to wonder whether there couldn't be a little bit more car sharing maybe or just flex the time of day. It's, it's quite tight. I mean, clearly, um, your show needs you there on time at the start yes. of the show and you're not going to leave before the end. Job done. <laughs> but for some of the rest of us, we are in jobs where there's a bit of flexibility, perhaps to start a bit earlier, mm. maybe finish a bit earlier. Yeah. But the thing that I'm amazed about is that given that so many people have been working from home, there's been a lot of traffic out there. And it's, there's never been a point at which I could have said to you, oh, it's been a bit quiet. I mean, some days, Mondays and Fridays, a little bit quieter sometimes. But overall, even during sort of lockdown, there was loads of cars out. I think that we've definitely seen that people have been reluctant to go back to the railway. So thinking of London in particular here, where we do have an office, I think people who were going into London by train, using the tube to get around, they're not coming in by train. But if they have got to come in, they might be thinking, well, I might as well use the car this mm. time rather than uh, buy a train ticket. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem for the city. Yeah, it's a big problem for the train companies as well, because they're all talking about maybe not even going back to what they normally would call a busy timetable because not enough people are using the train. So it's a, it's an ongoing problem, I guess, but uh, somebody, I'm sure, bright enough to fix it. Well, it'd be good to think so. I think we do need to recognise our cities, particularly our great cities like London, need people to be using mass transit because mm. we all hop in our cars and t try to drive in at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. We're all going to be sat in our cars for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely right. Steve, thank you very much indeed. Steve Gooding, director of the RSC Foundation, with the news that one in six speeding offences now being dropped by the police. Now, you might say maybe they're giving out too many speeding tickets. You might say that, but of course people would go, oh, you can't speed, it's dangerous. People get frustrated. Some people are getting speeding tickets for going 33 in a 30. You know, um, I think there has to be a little bit more common sense applied to all of this. Uh, this is from Jacqueline. So if fans boo footballers for taking the knee, you're banned for life or a season. Uh, or if you send racist tweets, you are sacked and imprisoned. But if you are the footballers, you can commit any crime and pay your way out of it. Well, I'm not sure if that's absolutely true, uh, but Jacqueline does make that point. Um, and of course, um, Dame Moley says this, that uh, what does or doesn't happen to Zuma is immaterial at the moment. The priority uh, is that the cat and the cats, uh, if there are two, are removed from the home, checked by a vet and rehomed. Has this happened? Well, I don't think it has happened. Uh, and as of now, as far as we're concerned, um, that's a bad situation for the cats because the cats are clearly in some form uh, of danger. According to Zuma, of course, the cats are fine. Well, how does he know that? Has he asked them? This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.